<laughs> Welcome to our friendship 101. Brie calls me out on shit that I try to avoid. Yes. Who needs a therapist? Well, I don't. You are my therapist at this point. Oh, God. I'm too messed up to be anyone's therapist. Welcome to our third episode for the Shiny Squirrel Podcast. Today we're discussing writing advice. Yeah, because we're both writers, question mark. Yes. (laughs) Define writer. We create print content for people to consume with their eyes. I don't know. I'm not entirely sure that is writing, but okay. (laughs) It seems almost too vague to be writing. Well, writing, it covers a wide spectrum, right? Like you have fiction and nonfiction and underneath those categories, you have even more categories. I know, but print, what would you say? Print media? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Print kind of threw me off. I think it's because of my, because of my history with journalism. The way that you segment off the different categories of journalism is you have print journalism and then you have broadcast journalism. Ah. And- All right. So getting into our episode. <laughs> So just a quick once over of me and Melanie's histories with writing. We're both novelists. I was a, well, can you ever like not call yourself a journalist? I don't know. Anyway, I was a journalist for the military for seven years before becoming a journalist for my hometown newspaper. I have since gotten out of the journalism game because journalism pays pennies. Support your local papers. Don't Don't steal writer's material. Buy it, please. I kind of like hate this because when we wrote out like the rough cut of this episode, all I could think about was like, oh, I really want to like motivate new writers to write, really invigorate them to chase their dream and and work on their craft. And (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm trying really hard not to laugh. And like... For the last 48 hours, all I've done is consume media of how the industry, Amazon in particular, is screwing us left and right. The thing is, like, I would say it's more lucrative to be indie published because, like, you keep your sales. But I don't know if you actually make more sales, so it might just balance out at the end of the day. It depends on quite a few different factors. Here's the thing is when you're indie pubbed or when you self-publish, you have to pay for an editor you have to pay for a cover artist well you don't have to also support your artists they are also screwed uh no i mean you don't have to get an editor you don't have to get a cover artist if it if it works for you great i am a firm believer in workshopping your stuff someone is always going to be able to see something that you can't. And there's also something to be said for being able to accept criticism, but also be able to walk away from it too, right? That's growing as a writer though. But that brings me to my main piece of advice, which is to write for you. No one should start writing to break into the industry. It's not a for sure thing. It can be fairly vicious. And if you don't love what you're working on, you will burn out so quickly. I second that. 
What about you? What's the biggest piece of advice you could provide? I don't know. I guess I'll stick to a, a goodie, but an oldie. You can't edit a blank page because yeah. I like. I feel like that's a, a huge topic when you go looking on hashtags on the internet, and everybody's like, "I can't get any words on the page." I like the the blank page is just so scary. And I personally don't have that problem. I am a purger. I throw words at the page like it's no tomorrow. I actually hate editing. So <laughs> she despises it and she hates oh, it when I call her out God. on her nonsense. I'm one of those writers that may very well never make it just because of the fact that like I write the entire book and then I'm done. I'm like, yeah, it's done. We're good. It's, it, I don't need to edit it. it. The entire story has been written and we're going to move on to the next story. If I actually finish the entire story, I consider that an accomplishment because most of the time I don't. <laughs> But you need words on the page because if you don't have words on the page, you don't have a story. And that's really what it is at the end of the day. I definitely uh, live my life through that advice only because I, I'm not good first draft. I've never been good first draft. I am better in revision, as you've heard me say on this podcast a couple of times now. You revise like nobody's business. The number <laughs> of like revision drafts you have is insane. Well, I see writing a book like baking a wedding cake. <laughs> So if you say a cake, I'm going to kill you. A wedding cake. And here's why. <laughs> Kitchen analogies, damn it. Anyway, so wedding cake. I see writing a novel like baking a wedding cake because my first draft, my vomit draft, which does not go along with this analogy at all, is essentially the batter for your three, four, five tier wedding cake depending on what genre genre you write in. And my first revision, which is usually for structure, like story structure, is, you know, baking the cake. And then as I, you know, go along in regards to character development, world building, uh, descriptions, also narrative rhythm, each of my drafts is a step towards the finished product. So there's a lot going into it and I revise for different things and different drafts. I revise once and then I revise based on whatever somebody tells me to. I just, I know that what's in my head when I vomit it on the page is never what I want it to read. I don't really feel like I'm a vomiter. I feel like I'm rather good at, at drafting. I mean, so take my action scenes, for instance. When it came to writing, you, you just put brackets... What? That's what you told me you do. You put brackets, insert fight scene. Well, I do that for a lot of things. In my vomit <laughs> draft, I do a lot of like bracketing where it's like, okay, insert decision or not decision, but description here, insert thought process here, insert stuff that I haven't decided yet on because world building. But when it comes to my method for fight scenes, I will organize my thoughts on what I want the movement to look like and then begin to edit for rhythm because how sentence structures feed in and out of each other will very much have an impact on how your readers experience that fight scene. Which, I mean, rhythm is a thing for not just fight scenes, but every scene. Especially if you're trying to build tension, it's very important to pay attention to sentence structure. Yeah. I remember the first time I ever had beta readers read Kirsten, and there was some uh, romantic moments. And one of the biggest comments I got was, you are so good at writing fight scenes. Why does your romance suck? <laughs> Ouch. They're just like, write your romance like you write your fight scenes. And I'm like, that's a really good idea. 
There you go. Beta readers are very helpful, guys. Yes. Well, I hope that they were all very talented writers. So they were able to communicate what they needed from me as a reader in a language that I could understand. Right. So that would be my next big piece of advice is to find a critique group or critique partner or someone you trust who will give you an unbiased opinion on your work and have your best interest at heart in wanting to see you succeed. Yeah. Um, on that note of a critique partner, a critique group, you are very unlikely to find your perfect critique partner the first time you swap with somebody. It is, ex- it is okay to swap materials with people and decide, you know, I don't really think our voices match. I don't think our styles match or for whatever reason, if you don't think that you can provide something to them or they can't provide something to you, it is okay to part ways and wish them well and find somebody else. Because at the end of the day, you do have to do what's best for you. And not wanting to be critique partners with someone doesn't mean that you can't still be their friend and be and like commiserate about the writing experience. Melanie and I started off as potential critique partners and it became very, very clear very quickly that our writing styles did not oh my God. match at all. I actually, I opened up your your uh, first chapter today mm-hmm. and I read the first paragraph and I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> I forget. <Bitch> literary. <laughs> I forget how beautiful your writing is. Because mine is not... <laughs> I'm just going to sit over here and like drink my tea. Like not in like the here's the tea kind of way, but in, like- I don't get I have that. A what cup is of tea. the tea? I'm so confused. What do they mean when here's the mother flipping tea? What the fuck is that? It kind of derives from the, you know, ooh, she spilled tea. Like you spilled something hot. Like you spilled the truth. What? Yeah. I'm so far behind on all of this. I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> I just I'm speak so English. I don't speak new age. Anyway, no, because like, it takes a lot for me to focus on beautiful writing. And I realize for a lot of people listening, that's going to sound dumb. (laughs) Because if something's beautiful, you enjoy it. But my particular style of writing is harsh, I guess is the best way to put it. It's very blunt and to the point. I don't use a lot of fancy words or special diction. I don't know. So it's it takes a lot for me to focus my brain on something beautiful because it tends to require more of my brain to edit, if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it does take a lot of brain power to, to create poetry in a very lyrical uh literary way not that that what i write is poetry because it's not not even a little bit i hate poetry (laughs) um like my writing is really not that beautiful guys uh but it's it's don't don't sell yourself short woman (laughs) on a hose um welcome to imposter syndrome new writers it is a thing (laughs) you will have it it's okay. <laughs> just remember, it's a syndrome and it won't be there. No, it'll probably be there forever. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, oh, giving you a light at the end of the... Nope, nope, nope. No, that's not a light. That's no. not a light. Nope. The thing is, like, I want to say... <laughs> I want to say that imposter syndrome will go away. But the thing is, you look at these authors who've been published for a decade and they're like, I'm not a writer. <laughs> Yeah. Like the only thing that's going to justify you being a writer is yourself. It's not publication. It's not money. 
you yourself have to sit down and have a talk with yourself about the fact that you are a writer and it doesn't you don't have to be published to be a writer a writer is somebody who writes period right. okay back to writing yeah back to writing so yeah you've you've been published in um a couple of different anthologies uh seven i don't know really? i lost I lo- what you've been published you've had short stories published seven times <laughs> and it, you've given up on writing <laughs> yes <laughs> i i think it's seven actually i don't this is not awful i don't pay attention anymore i actually legitimately missed one of my publications like i totally missed publication day I know. I, I, I know. I I love writing, but writing is a for me is a very isolated hobby. I don't do well with critique groups. I don't do well with writing groups. I don't focus well with other people because I'm so extroverted. So writing is a very isolated activity and I and I don't sit down. I'm not I've never been able to like sit down and like five hundred words every day. Like I said, for NaNoWriMo, I sit down, I bam out like 12,000 words in a day, and then I do nothing else. Like that is what I do. I can't like write every day. It just doesn't work for me. And that's okay, by the way. There are different types of writers. Knowing what type of writer you are will make you more successful. I mean, just as a adult in general, knowing who you are and what you need will help you be successful. Mm. Like if if I go too long without working on my writing, all of the mental health demons come to the surface. Like I get anxious. I don't know exactly why I start to like unravel when I'm too far away from writing. But I think I've been this way since, well, since Iraq, actually. Yeah. I just, just knowing yourself will be a huge factor in you being a successful writer and success comes in many forms so you also need to determine what success is for you right and redefining those things isn't a bad thing either like you're not married to one definition of who you are or what you want from writing no we all grow we all change and that's your writing will change with you but having said all of that your evolution should come from what you need and what you want, not what other people are trying to convince you you need and you want. Writing writing is difficult. Writing is going to be difficult and no one is going to make it easier for you. I know it sounds super dark and very disconcerting, but the truth is a lot of writers have gone into writing being starry-eyed and cheerful and expecting their first book to get published and all their dreams are gonna come true. And that is not the norm. The norm is that you work for a decade or more and you have written a couple of different novels at least and you will get lucky. Because luck is honestly, sadly, most of getting traditionally published. But again, that's traditionally published. And there's so many different avenues to getting your story out into the world. Yeah. 
I do think that people should write more than one novel before attempting to publish anything because I think it teaches you a lot. Partly because of the fact that you get a second chance to write a story and a different story. So you get to delve into more of your writing. Well, your first novel, or even your first two, three, four, or five, those those teach you a lot about yourself as a writer, about your writing style, about what workflow rhythms work best for you. Things change. So many things change. And, and it's okay to make changes. And don't beat yourself up for having to make changes. I started out writing YA, and now I'm writing adult. And it wasn't because I really wanted to make the switch. <laughs> eh. I had written the first four books of the series that I'm working on in YA, started querying. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the publishing process, a query is basically a pitch letter that you send to agents um, in hopes that they will want to read your manuscript and hopefully represent you in the publishing industry. So as I started querying, I kept getting all of these responses like, oh, the writing is beautiful, but I can't represent this. Or I don't think I can sell this in this market. And I remembered reading a podcast, much like this one, actually. You read a podcast? Or read a <laughs> Listened to a podcast. I listened to a podcast where they were interviewing an author who had actually gotten an agent and gone through all of these editorial submissions with publishing houses and not getting any bites. And finally, she had her agent tell her, I think you should, you know, take six months, read widely. If you find something that sticks, read more of that. And then at the end of the six months, look at what you read the most of, what you enjoyed the most. And that is what you should be writing. And I remember listening to that episode while I was crying. And I'm like, oh my God, that sounds so awful. <laughs> that sounds so awful. That sounds so devastating. Having someone, you know, kind of check you and be like, you're not writing in the right genre or for the right audience. That sounded absolutely terrifying and heartbreaking to me. And I was like, I really hope that's not me. I really hope that's not me. It's you. And then, <laughs> and then as I started getting these rejections and it was like oh god damn it sign of a banner snatch it was me i didn't take six months because i can't go that long without writing because you know like i said anxiety but i took some time read widely zeroed in on what i enjoyed most and decided that i wanted to move this series that and these characters that i loved so much because these characters and this world mean so much to me personally so i I'm transitioning my five book series into adult, and it's been a wild ride. All of this to say that, like we said at the beginning of this episode, you have to write what you love and you have to write for you. Because if you don't, you're just going to be devastated and empty. And I don't mean that like in a, you know, oh, for me sad way just a if you're going to go on this writing journey i want you to get the most out of it that you possibly can i've had a, i've had a love-hate relationship with writing for a, a very long time and it doesn't help that while Bree's writing is very beautiful my writing is not <laughs> I've just mean that in the, like, my writing is not quite as common as, as beautiful writing is. It is very blunt and it doesn't get published very often. 
I don't write likable characters. I write assholes and there are no happy endings ever. Most people die. Lots of people die. So I've gotten to the point where I send something out to beta readers and all I get back is negative feedback. And that kind of kills your motivation to write. So now I cosplay. Yay. (laughs) There, you wanted my backstory. So just to give you a sneak peek into our process with these podcast episodes is I have this Google Doc open with like a rough outline of what we wanted to cover. We kind of bounced around a bit. Whoops. But at the top of the page, the number one piece of advice we agreed on was don't give up, aka don't be a failure. And I think you wrote that. I did. But I've heard you tell me this all the time, though. Like every time that I get really, really down on myself, which is always, or when I start to talk about how I'm a failure, you remind me that the only way that you fail is by giving up and I'm incapable. So I mean, yeah, it's true. The only way to to not be a writer is to stop writing. So hi, I'm not a writer. (laughs) Aren't you writing a couple of books right now? No. You're not working on a cosplay guide? That is nonfiction. It doesn't count. It does count. Nonfiction counts. I hate it so much. I have to be so politically correct. No, you don't. Yes, I do. I've rewritten the entire thing to sound less like an asshole. It's supposed to be like positive or something. I, I don't I don't know. I don't see tutorials and guidebooks necessarily as writing. It is. I won't say it's not, but for me, it's not writing in the sense of creativity, which is how I personally define writing. I get that. I mean, coming from someone who was a journalist, journalist for several years, uh, and not just like a freelance journalist. I was a uh, staff journalist, which seriously, though, go support your local papers. Being a staff journalist, it's really hard to, or at least for me, to quantify getting published because I was getting paid to sit at a desk to write rather than having my writing demand publishing, if that makes any sense. I'm trying to wrap my brain around that. Publishing just didn't feel earned when I was a staff journalist. I mean, to be fair, that's kind of how I feel about my short stories. I don't know. Like, this is what I I discussed earlier with success is different for everybody. Like, I am technically a published author. Do I feel like it? Nope. Not a little bit. Not even at all. I just like, they seemed so important when I didn't have them. And now I'm just kind of like, well, they aren't changing my life in any way. So, yeah. I don't know. And a lot of it's like, I can't. I can't use it in a query letter because one, short stories versus novels. Two, they're completely different genres. My short stories do not assist me in getting published novels because it doesn't support my track record in what I'm trying to sell my novels as. Especially, this is another piece of information for anybody who is thinking about writing in multiple different genres. It is very likely you will require separate agents for each genre or age group. Because a lot of times agents are very specialized in what they market and they will not be able to assist you in marketing another genre or age group. So fun fact. Yeah. 
I mean, like we said, success looks different for everybody. So publishing is not the goal for some writers, and that's perfectly great. I am not one of those writers. <laughs> I mean, I used to be just like you. The dream was to become a published author and make my living doing that. I don't know that I ever, I don't think that I'll ever be able to make a living as a published author. Um that was my goal, but my mine is more the need to get out of a nine to five. Mm. I don't do well in a nine to five at all. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I don't know what my expectations are anymore. And this podcast really turned into a Debbie Downer. So, you know, Shit. go right, everybody. I wish that I could give you some starry eyed light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> As to, you know, to inspire you to go write and to chase that dream. And I can't. I can't. But not because I don't want to or because it doesn't exist. Because there are writers out there that make a living and live off their writing. It is a hard road, though. It is a hard road. And, you know, the the topic of the topic of writing and the topic of publishing are two very different monsters. Yes. At the end of the day, all you can do is write the best thing that you can write and assume it will be just that. You can't assume you will get published. You can't assume you'll make a living doing it. All you can assume is that you are writing something that you love. And if that's not enough, then I don't actually know what to tell you at this point. I love fail. I don't think there is any two authors that had the same writing journey or the same publishing journey. Everyone's relationship with their work is different. At the end of it, that doesn't make it, but that doesn't make it any less important or any less or any. It doesn't make it mean any less either. At the, it doesn't devalue your work. At the end of the day, you're going into writing because you love writing. You're not expecting to make millions of dollars doing that. So your motivation should be that you love your story or you love your characters and you want to bring them into the world. That is what writing is. Assuming you're writing fiction because that is not the only writing option you have. <laughs> We're not very inclusive here. I'm sorry. <laughs> We haven't talked about script writing, poetry, like anything oh else. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But <laughs> oh gosh. we are novelists. I'm so sorry. I think the reason it's hard for us is because we've been in the query trenches for so long. Oof. And so and been so entrenched in the outskirts of the industry, of the publishing industry, that sometimes when it comes to the topic of writing sans publishing. It can be a little, I don't know, intangible. Intangible is a good word. Okay. Intangible is very much a good word. I mean, most people start off writing with the intention of publishing or never letting anybody see their work ever. It's usually one of the two. And sometimes you need to sit down and reassess why you're writing. And that's perfectly okay. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's break this down to like tangible advice because we had a lot of arbitrary, not, 
not tangible, but um, a lot of action. Let's give some actionable advice. Okay. Because when we were doing our panels at Anime Midwest, we had a lot of people ask like, oh, well, how do we find these resources? So. The Timmy. (laughs) So when we were talking about um, finding critique partners or beta readers or critique groups to help you hone your craft, the best thing you can do is get online to social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, uh, there's a website called Meetup mm-hmm. that a lot of groups tend to use. If you are able, find a NaNoWriMo group near you. A lot of NaNoWriMo groups will have in-person meetups in the month of November. Mm-hmm. Or you can find people just to chat with. Um, I think actually Goodreads has a lot of writers groups on it that you could probably join. Yeah, and they have a lot of uh, beta circles too on Goodreads. Oh yeah, there's a huge section for that. Um, uh, what Wattpad? Wattpad? Yeah, but I don't know if that's necessarily to find critique partners as it is to find other writers to support, which if you have the energy to <laughs> spread some love, do it. I don't, I, I don't know. I um, never understood Wattpad, so I'm just throwing it out there. And as much of a dumpster fire as Twitter is politically, Ugh. Twitter is probably your best resource for the industry and for uh writer support if i will say um actually if you have extra energy for writing get into blogging yeah actually i've met all of my writing friends through my blog and yours truly included yeah brie and i legitimately met because we were both blogging at the same time and then we were like hey you want to be critique partners we're like yeah sure oh wait no just kidding never mind um let's 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 just be friends um so like there are outlets you will just probably you know you're gonna have to spend some time looking around yeah okay so you found a critique partner now what be upfront about what you need and what you can offer do not beat around the bush do not try to make them your best friend you at the end of the day it is a business relationship it it, not it is you're you're exchanging goods with each other you can be friends that's fine but like you need to be very honest in that friendship yeah but don't be an asshole excuse me i haven't been an asshole for like two years i wasn't talking about i always feel like i'm getting called out no like i you shouldn't be an asshole in any business relationship that's true like there are going to be writers that can lash out because of insecurity try not to take that personally Mm -hmm. that's that's on them that's their burden to bear don't take that on yeah and i you should probably look elsewhere for a critique partner because if they can't take criticism you're not gonna have a good working relationship Mm mm-hmm and if they can't have an open dialogue with you about why they're saying their critique, then you also need to look elsewhere. If they try to rewrite all of your work in their own voice, look elsewhere. <laughs> We're just telling people. <laughs> I feel like that's something you need to know, though. I feel like there's a lot of people who get stuck in partnerships that don't work because they... That are volatile. Yeah. I mean, I know... I mean, granted, I burn a lot of bridges, but 
I had a lot of inexperienced writers try to be critique partners. And by inexperienced, I mean, they had less experience than I did. And so it was one of those things where like their critique style was very new and it was not helpful for me. And their writing needed a lot more help than I had the time to provide. So in that case, there's, for me personally, I see it as a business relationship. I'm going to end up giving out more than I will be getting in return, if anything. Mm. So that's why I say it's a business relationship. Because at the end of the day, I need to find something that is more give and take, less than, less like, here's everything that you can use. Okay. <laughs> Tangent over. Um, Tangent over. So you finish your novel and it's all edited. Now what? Now you start to figure out what you want to do with it. If you want to just put it in a drawer and move on to the next thing, that's perfectly great. If you want to traditionally publish, now you're, well, any kind of publish, you're now in the boat of research, hmm. which this could, this could be its all own episode, but a really great podcast to listen to in regards to the industry is Print Run. It's led by two literary agents, Laura Zatz and Eric Kane from Red Sofa Literary, I believe, out of the Twin Cities. Oh, I know that one. Mm-hmm. Um, both are very, very passionate about the industry and about their positions in the industry. They don't pull any punches, and they have some really great conversations about um, – the agent author relationship and the author industry relationship. So that's a good place to start. Another great place to start is again, Twitter. Uh, you can look up hashtags like am writing or uh, rewrite it club. It's another really great writing community on Twitter. Writing community is another great hashtag to throw out there. Um, if you are looking to query, uh, there is a fantastic opportunity that is quarterly, and that is called PitMad. Um, there's also on Twitter. Also on Twitter. There's also a bunch of other uh, pitch, pitch events. events. Yeah, very similar to PitMad, and there are actually places on the internet that list all of them and when they are and what you can submit to them. Mm-hmm. Some are genre specific, some are not. So there's definitely resources out there. A lot of it is just looking for it and honestly Mm -hmm. I know blogging is a ton of work but if you're in the blogging community sometimes finding those resources can be much easier yeah I mean of course you have your industry resources like query tracker or uh, writer's digest publisher's marketplace publisher's marketplace yeah the writing community is a very complex place because there are a lot of it's very very diverse not only in it could be more diverse. That, oh, it could be more. It diverse. could be more diverse. Oh my gosh, that's another topic we'll not get into today, though. <laughs> Just remember, don't be an asshole. Don't be an asshole. Yeah, I was gonna say that's pretty much it. Don't be an asshole. Hmm. Um. We're definitely rated E. <laughs> rated E for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> If you don't like my content, that's too bad.
you like our podcast, we launch new episodes every Monday. We will have our first season publishing through the end of September. We'll take a quick break for our off season and then start a new season in November. Additionally, if you liked anything that we said specifically in this podcast, hit us up on the comment section on your favorite podcast app or on social media on Twitter. We're at Shiny Squirrel Poe and, you know, reward or deduct points from Slytherin or Gryffindor. And lastly, if you are able to assist and would like to do so, we have a Patreon where you will get bonus content and an opportunity to discuss everything with us over on Discord. Uh, so you can check us out on Patreon at Shiny Squirrel, The Shiny Squirrel. little like that stuff is so gross it tastes like salt too it's so salty why did you put it in your mouth everybody did it was